Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere. And this week I have on Stephanie Wolf. So Steph, thank you for joining me. And I'm just going to say really quick, I invited you onto the show because first of all, I have an incredible amount of admiration for the work that you're doing as a financial counselor for women in finance, but also that you have now joined BMO Private Wealth. So your career, you also, you know, you worked at quite a few different financial institutions. And so your career has really, you've moved through a lot of different areas and organizations. And I think you're a great one to talk about this today. Awesome. Well, I'm very excited to be here, Christine. Anything you wanted to share with the group just as they're getting a chance to know you better? So yes, as you noted, my career has taken many changes over the last few years. I am a strategic business leader, entrepreneur, I'm a financial literacy advocate, and formal financial marketing executive. So really, my passion is for empowering women to invest and really support them as they move through their careers. That is why I am one of your biggest fans. So thank you so much for joining me. So we're just going to dive in. I know you're going to answer this in a little bit of a unique way, but who is your best boss ever and why? Very unique way to answer this because as I reflected on this question, I realized that there wasn't just one boss that I could touch on. Over the course of my career, there was actually four that really stood out to me. And the reason there's four is because different parts in my career, I was at different areas of growth. So each of these leaders really took an opportunity to guide me and coach me in ways that I needed at that particular time in my career. And so they all have added a tremendous value. And uh, maybe I'm just lucky or one of the lucky few, but I think I've just had phenomenal leaders to support me on my journey. That's amazing. So this is perfect. I mean, it's such a good topic that we're going to dive into today around how best bosses, you know, the type of coaching that they give you is very relevant at different ages and stages of your career. And I think that's kind of an interesting insight that, you know, an aha moment that I'm having, having done so many of these interviews. So can you walk us through those four different leaders and how they were different? Take us back to the beginning of your career. Oh, the very beginning. (laughs) Linda Watson is her name. And actually she just recently retired. Phenomenal woman in consumer packaged goods led the way for revision as they launched their brand of eyewear around the world. But Linda was really my first ever boss. And she was, I like to call my confidence builder. She was willing to sort of put me in the positions that I had never, never been in before. And she trusted me. So I I remember the very first time, actually, we were going through a a brand and marketing session. It was my first time meeting with a big group, a big branding marketing group. And I was at the table and I was obviously the youngest one there. Uh, I was probably three months into the job and, you know, they were presenting a very robust brand presentation to Linda and the CEO of this new company in that room, I'll never forget. She she paused and she said, well, I think we haven't heard from everybody as they were getting feedback. And she said, Stephanie, do you have anything else that you would like to add to this after the, the presentation was done? And 
you know, that asking for my opinion at such a young age and, and ensuring that I had a seat at the table was something that stuck with me and something that I have actually carried forward when I've had younger team members working with me is to give them that confidence that they can speak and they can have a seat at that table and, and don't hold back. You might be learning, but everything that you're adding is adding value. That's incredible. And it's such an important piece around inclusion, right? She didn't decide that your age determined whether or not you were you had something valid to add. And I think that is powerful. That's really demonstrating excellent inclusive leadership in addition to being a great supporter of yours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could have just sat at that table and, (laughs) you know, stayed quiet and let it, let it pass through, but then I wouldn't have built that growth opportunity there to, to speak up and learn that I did have a seat at the table. I was able to speak up. I think that's great. I hear companies hire young kids out of school and they do that because they have this fresh perspective, but then they never ask for that perspective. So I just appreciate that she was living, living that trait. So that's excellent. So after Linda, then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's when I transitioned into financial services. So taking all of those amazing marketing skills that Linda instilled in me, honestly, I had such a a great training background with her. Uh, I moved on to Franklin Templeton Investments, where actually I reported to a man called Matthew Snare, Matt Snare, who is actually somebody to this day that I, I still keep in touch with. He's a fantastic mentor and somebody who I really respected. You know, Matt at the time was, and still to this day, he's somebody that I said was a heart-centered leader before that term even existed. And the reason I say that is because there was a particular moment where it had been a really rough week. <laughs> um, it was around the 2008 financial crisis. Things had really imploded. People were very emotional, but Matt took the time to speak to everybody on the team. He put aside everything else just to make sure that we were comfortable. And I said in this meeting with him, Matt, like, how do you, how do you do this? Right? Like how, how do you put others first like this? He said, I do it because I care. And those words stuck with me because it showed that just because you're in this working environment and he's a boss. People have emotions. We're all human and we've got all got challenges. So he's he's honestly somebody who showed me how to lead. And I say this because he said that his job was always to take the stuff from the top and filter it out so that I could focus on my job and not worry. And that was really important for me to hear as well. So I I mean I reported to to Matt for several years. Um and that was the one biggest leadership skill that he instilled in me was that he was the buffer and his job was to make sure I had the emotional and mental capacity to do my job. Well, (laughs) that's such a good point. His job is to take the stuff from the top, filter it out so that you don't have to worry and give you, you know, the most relevant information that you need to do the best job without taking, you know, taking on any new worry. And I think that makes so much sense in 2008. I mean, it seemed like anybody working anywhere was filled with worry because nobody knew what was going to happen next. So I can see why that must have felt stabilizing. Very stabilizing. That is the type of leader he is. And still somebody who I see as rock solid, honestly, great, a great support over the years. Amazing. Okay. 
Wow. These are two really good ones. So, okay. Do you have more? I do. I do. You are lucky. I, I have been very blessed to have fantastic leaders. So it's interesting too, because I was thinking there's one other common thread is that many of the environments that I was working in were very entrepreneurial based. And I wonder if this may have been what gave me um, the, the tools that I needed when I launched my own business as well. Right. So you know, honestly, you asking me this question has really allowed for a lot of reflection and to really think about why I am where I am today and who these leaders are and what they did for me. So my next great boss ever was Rohit Mehta. Now he was, I call him the visionary and he was great at challenging me. And so I was probably more than mid-career at this point uh, on track for, you know, my next role, which was executive level, you know, it was a very small company that, uh, I was working for with him and, uh, we had a very small budget. And of course he was, a, he was a natural salesman. I was a natural marketer. And so, you know, he constantly challenged me to think bigger and push me outside of my comfort zone. And so I loved it. When I say he was a visionary, he really would, you know, continue. He saw what I wanted to do, but as a great salesman, he knew what he wanted as well. And so there was a constant compromise and a lot of learning that happened as I saw how to think bigger with a very smaller company and how where where they wanted to go and how could I help them get there in the non-traditional marketing way, right? What could I add value to as a, as a marketer for this firm to get them to where they wanted to go? Really bootstrapping our, our way there. So it was a fantastic opportunity to work with Rohit. He's really good at building businesses and he's a great salesman. Tell me about that challenging part though. Help me understand what does that look like? Because it doesn't sound fun when you say it. So one of our biggest challenges was to actually communicate to investment advisors, the value of the products that we were offering. So what I wanted to do was the traditional marketing route, you know, traditional marketing campaigns. But he challenged me to think a little bit more about how can we talk to them directly. And so where we ended up landing was on a contest that they could participate in. And the winner who participated in this would actually be able to have a donation of, I think it was something like $20,000 go to their charity of choice. So it was something that I would say more guerrilla type marketing that was kind of from the ground up. Uh, we really got in with the advisor community. It was a very smart play and marketing tactic that was obviously not as cost prohibitive as some of the traditional marketing routes that I could have taken. And so I really appreciated his input in challenging me to continue to think bigger and bigger. And what can we do that hasn't been done that will get attention? And so when I say visionary, he really showed me how entrepreneurs can go big, still make sure that you're within budget. So I absolutely, I loved working with Rohit. He was fantastic. I know he's still doing great things to this day. I think that's great. I mean, again, just to like how much growth comes out of saying, how do we do this in a non-traditional way <laughs> and to challenge you to get creative and really come out of fresh new ways of thinking. I think that sounds like a really neat experience. And you don't get asked for that as often in certain environments. Like I, I don't hear a lot of leaders challenge, you know, if anything, it's their idea, you know, but they don't, they don't challenge it. So for them to really put the brains together, it sounds like he knew how to get more out of both of you really innovating. Yes. And this is where I say, like, when I reflect back and I think over the course of my career, 
all of the value that this would add to then what I say is the the next role where my boss was Carrie Van Bell. And, you know, she was somebody who, and again, I have immense respect for all of these leaders, but she was the one who really, I don't like to use the word groomed, but she understood the executive boardroom and she knew my skills and talents. And she was able to make the tweaks, I guess you could say, in a not so subtle way. She was very direct in telling me what I needed to do and how I needed to change, especially in bigger presentations. So I remember one particular presentation, I was quite nervous before I went in, but very excited about what you know was coming to light in this particular meeting. And afterwards, she pulled me aside and said, okay, that was great. You did X and Y very good, but next time I want you to do it this way and showed me exactly how I could have done the same thing, but a little better. And so these were in the moment, very good coaching techniques that actually helped me move into that executive role that I took on. My challenge as somebody who does a lot of leadership development is always the correlation or the return on investment. So I ask every person that I interview, what do you think the return on investment is to a business when they have a best boss ever versus a very mediocre boss? The return on investment is talent and output. I think those are the two biggest things that they'll get because, so I think back to the opposite. So the ones, the roles where perhaps they didn't have the best boss ever and what happened there, I didn't feel motivated. I didn't do as great a job. I wasn't pushed. I didn't feel the need to really do much more than my description. And so each of these leaders, not only did they shape who I became as a leader and who I am today in my career, but I did my best work for them because they knew what I was looking for. And so I think the ROI is that you're just going to get a better return on the person that is working for you at that time. And I mean, I know you've probably said this on this podcast before, but people never leave the company. They leave like the boss. I will say that it was very difficult for me to leave. There was only one where she had already moved on, but for each of those other roles, it was difficult to make that decision to move on. And it was often other circumstances had nothing to do with the leader. Sure. I mean, and you're, you're right. Most of the time it's the leader, but not so much every time. Right. And I mean, it's, and it's wonderful when you can actually leave a position, look back and feel like you really got something amazing out of that besides just your salary. Right. That's. And I'll, and Christine to that, I'll just say that I think that that's maybe why I have been such or why I've had such an opportunity to work with great leaders is that I think it takes two, right? You have to be also willing to share your thoughts and your growth and your challenges and what your ambitions are in order for that leader to actually effectively help you. So I think that it plays a role too in the person who is reporting into this boss to tell them what it is that you want to do with your career. And so I think it works both ways. And like I said, perhaps that's why I've, I've been luckier than some to have these great bosses. I think that's also, a, you know, it's a fantastic point and it's something, again, we don't bring that up very often, but it sounds like you were willing to be coached. You were willing to be invited to the table. You were willing to lean in when, when you got invited, it probably made those leaders have fun <laughs> with the journey of working with you and seeing you grow. What has not worked when you've seen different and experienced different leadership styles? Like what is something that doesn't work well for you? 
I, I just had the image come to me right now as you asked me that question of, I, and I will not name names, but yelling, yelling behind a closed door out of anger, frustration to me is just a sign of weakness in a leader. That if you have to yell at your employees for any reason whatsoever, that's a sign of personal weakness, not leadership. So that for me is an instant turnoff. Not going to work. I think that's such a great point. You know, and it's interesting. I've coached, I coach obviously a lot of female leaders and crying is always like the classic call that I'll get. The emergency call, right? Will be even at the president level. It's like something's happened and I'm frustrated and I've cried. And I'm always like, people express emotion in different ways. And interestingly enough, yelling is one of the things we probably don't talk about that enough because I don't yell. I might get teary eyed, <laughs> but I know quite a few leaders that I've worked with who, when their emotions get the better of them, it turns into yelling, which is much more, in my opinion, a brace than somebody getting teary eyed. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and it's an automatic loss of respect in some ways for me personally, perhaps not for others, but there's a better way I think to approach it. And oftentimes the, I would say the tears come more from maybe perhaps disappointment or frustration or whatever it might be. The, the yelling was coming from a place of true anger. And I think that if you're unable to control those types of anger emotions with your employees, then there might be some work that needs to be done. <laughs> you might need some coaching. <laughs> Do you have any other stories? I mean, you're a mom of three and you've gone through maternity leaves. And I know you've had the, the nights where you lost sleep and all of those things while you were navigating a busy career. Anything else that comes to mind when you think of what worked well or didn't work well as you were trying to build a family at the same time that you tried to pursue a pretty intense career? So yes, I will say that it hasn't always been easy. There has been a lot of sleepless nights, but you know what? It's uh, finding truly the people that I surrounded myself with to help me through this journey and also, you know, relying on myself. So I would say I had some very strong mentors, one in particular, Greta Cusworth, somebody who I value her opinion to this day. She has guided me since 2011. We were actually connected through the Women's Executive Network back in 2011. And she has always been there for me as I've gone through different career transitions and made different decisions as it came to my career. And she was somebody who I truly respected because she had uh, grown adult children at that time when we first met. And so she understood some of the challenges that I was going through at that time. So she was kind of my, my shoulder to cry on when it was difficult, but also somebody who offered sound advice throughout my career. She sounds fantastic. That's great. Listen, Stephanie, it was so nice to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Any words of wisdom you just want to pass on to those leaders that are listening and trying to figure out how to be the best boss? Know that every single one of your employees is looking for guidance in some way. You just have to find out what it is and you can help them. Thank you so much, Christine. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.